I was just looking back. I've been a member of King Church for 18 years. Uh, so first of all, just to say thank you, the elders, for the opportunity to share God's word. And we will continue with a series of looking at the goodness of the gospel. And uh, Luke started off the series by looking at adoption into the family of God. And then that was followed by, by looking at uh, redemption and then uh, salvation. Now today, maybe I missed one out. Uh, no, I think that's it. And then today we're looking at righteousness. So that is what we are going to be exploring together. And the word righteousness actually appears 32 times in the book of Romans. So it is quite central to the goodness of the gospel. Uh, In simple terms, righteousness is a state of being upright. And you might be thinking that maybe from your day-to-day living, the people you interact with, you might think of some people, you can think that person is, is pretty upright. So what I want you to do now, I want you to, when you say that, at the back of your mind, there's a moral scale. You are, you, you are assessing that fellow by a moral scale. So what I want you to do now is to think about somebody you really know well, not somebody you only meet at church, somebody you shared a bit of life with, whom you consider to be righteous, upright, I mean. Just give you a few minutes to think. Good. Now, just think a little bit more. Think of an opportunity where they have really acted ugly. <laughs> Can you think of one? I'm sure you will. If you, have, if you really know them, there will be that opportunity where they really acted ugly. The purpose of this example is just to let us know how difficult it is for us to actually be upright by our own effort, even by our own human standard. When we have our own human standard to judge people and by our own human effort, it is actually very difficult to be upright. But today, what we are going to be exploring together from the Word of God is the righteousness of God, the state of being upright before God, the state of doing everything in agreement with God's standard, being in a right standing with God, standing before God without any sense of guilt. You, feel, you, you realize that is a very tall order, which our human effort cannot really achieve. God is righteous and upright, and to be upright before him, it actually means to be as righteous as God. In Psalm 89, verse 14, says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. All that God does is rooted in righteousness. So this actually poses a very big question. How can humanity ever, ever attain this righteousness we're talking about? So discussing, for example, discussing with his friends in the book of Job, you know, Job had those three friends with him who had, you know, tried to support him. They said in Job 15, 14, say, what is man that he could be pure? He that is born of a woman, that he could be righteous. So this has been a very long study problem of humanity. 
How can a man be righteous as God, righteous before God? So where did this problem actually start from, this problem of righteousness of humanity? Where did it actually start from? It actually started right from the Garden of Eden. When God made man, made Adam and Eve, he made them in his own nature. God breathed upon them. They had the very righteousness of God. They interacted with God. The Bible said that God came down in the cool of the day and they fellowship with God. There was no sense with them of being unrighteous or of guilt. They were just fellowshipping with God freely. Then what happened? Of course, we know what happened. They ate of the fruit. And what happened? When God came down, there was a sense of guilt. They were hiding from God. They realized, they realized that for once, they were not longer upright before God. A barrier has come. And from there on, we know what happened. Cain killed Abel, and unrighteousness began to multiply over the whole earth. So this then is the problem we'll be looking into. How can a fallen humanity become righteous before God, as righteous as God? So we've got to read some passages now from Romans, and then we'll pray, and then we'll go into the talk. So the first passage we're going to read from Romans chapter 3, verses 10 to 2, uh, 20 to 22. And it should appear on the screen. That's right. So it says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Therefore, by the deeds of the Lord, no flesh shall be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now, the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. Be witnessed by the law and the prophet, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believe. Then we read uh, Romans chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. That should appear on the screen as well, yes. So what then shall we say that Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justified your godly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Let's pray. Father, we do want to thank you for your word. It is life. And as we explore your word and look into righteousness, Lord, we ask for the help of your spirit. Open our hearts, open our minds, that, Lord, we will hear your voice. Help me to share freely the things you put in my heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the passage we started with in Romans actually painted the very sort of the deliberate, deliberate, the desperate situation of humanity, none that does good. He says we have all gone our way. 
we have turned away from God. And actually, he put a seal there that by the works of the Lord, nobody can be justified before God. So God just said, don't even try to try, because by what you can do, by your own performance, you cannot be righteous before me. But thank God for the birth. Thank God for those two births. But he says that the righteousness of God that is not based on our works has been revealed. And that righteousness is for all and upon all who believe. I mean, that is the good news of the gospel. That is the birth that made all those difference, that turned us from a desperate situation to a place where we can enjoy the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God, not based on our performance, but based on our faith in Christ Jesus. And maybe if you still have some doubt in your mind, verse 5 of chapter 4 says, But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justified your godly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Is that not good news? Good news that God does not count us righteous because of our performance or what we do, what we cannot do, but because of his grace, because of what Jesus has done for us, our faith in Christ is counted as righteous. God accepts us and declares us righteous because of what Christ has done. That is the good news of the gospel. I just want to bring out certifiers. The first one is to declare that God is the judge. He is the only one who can declare someone righteous. It is just like the case in the court. The plaintiff and the accused, they may bring all their lawyers and argue all their points from day to day, from day to day, but eventually the judge has to make that declaration. He either declared somebody's guilty or justified. His declaration stands forever. In the same way, God is the one that declares us righteous. You may not feel righteous. The devil may accuse you. Everything about you may be saying you are righteous. But God says, if you have faith in Christ, I have declared you righteous. And I want you to believe God and to rejoice in the declaration of God. So first of all, I'd like to look at the first time the word righteous naturally appears in the Bible. And that is slide five. It looks at Romans 4.3. It says, what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So this actually was referring to the, uh, what happened in Genesis uh, chapter 15, verse 5 to 6. And I will read that. So God, he brought us God, brought him outside, brought Abraham outside and said, look now towards heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and God accounted to him for righteousness. So Abraham's faith, believing God that his descendants will be like this terror. God, because he believed God, God says, I declare you righteous. I accept you as righteous. And actually, that was a foretaste of the good news of the gospel. God was looking ahead at what he was going to do in Christ. And on basis of that sacrifice, God was declaring Abraham to be righteous. And we can read that from Romans chapter 3, verse 25 to 26. 
He says that this, that's slide six, this sacrifice, talking about what Jesus Christ did for us, was this sacrifice showed that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in the time past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in the present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, that he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in the sight when they believe in Jesus. So God was actually looking at the cross, even from the time of Abraham. And on the basis of that, of the sacrifice that Christ was going to make, he could declare Abraham just. He could declare people just. He could call people just because of what Christ has done. And it is very, very important for us to know that God is the judge. I think the, the, one of the issues about being counted righteous in the Old Testament is that it did not lead to our life being transformed. But the gospel actually brings an additional dimension. In, the Bible says, verse like 7, says, 2 Corinthians uh, 5.21, God, God doesn't just declare us righteous. He confessed his nation of righteousness into us. So 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, for he, for he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made, made the righteousness of God in him. And then Ephesians 4.24, and that you put on the new man who was created after God in true righteousness and holiness. So when the Bible said that when, when if you are in Christ, you are a new creature, God made us new and actually put part of his nature in us. He's, so we are not just declared righteous, we actually made the righteousness of God. That is the good news of the gospel. And the reason is that we can begin to reflect that righteousness. Our life can begin to show that righteousness. We are, we are declared righteous, we are made righteous. God has made us righteous so that we can live lives that reflect that righteousness. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to be looking at what is actually the implication of this in our day-to-day living. And I'm going to look at three points. The first one will be, it is a major uh, piece uh, of God's armor in overcoming the deception of the enemy. We're going to look at, it confer boldness in us in prayer. And the last one will be, it gives us that ability to live victoriously over sin. So if, uh, if we read uh, Ephesians chapter uh, 6, verse 40 says, looking at the very weapons of our warfare, one of the weapons that actually was listed said, Have, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. In natural world, the, the breastplate is actually to protect the vital organs of our body. You know, the heart, the lungs, and eyes to protect you. And maybe we can show the picture of the slide. So, so it's to protect, you know, protect the very vital organs. And actually, in our spiritual work, it is also the same. Because issues of condemnation or the accusation of the enemy, they go straight into your heart is to bring you to a state of hopelessness, to, to give you the impression you are useless, that you have no good to God at all. And God is saying, put on the breastplate of righteousness. 
Know that you are my righteousness. And so, that's verse like 10. Proverbs 14, 23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. So we need to guard our heart against the accusations of the enemy. And I was just thinking about it, looking at the example of Jesus Christ. There was the baptism, and then God declares, you are my son in whom I wear place. Then after 40 days of fasting, the devil comes. This is now a paraphrase, so it's not what the Bible says. He's hungry, he's tired, the devil comes and says, wow, you look pretty tired and hungry. You don't look like the son of God to me. If you are the son of God, well, yeah, some stone. Why not you just, you know, turn these ones to bread? You don't look like the son of God. But Jesus says, it is written. It is going to be the same he will do to you. He will tell you, you are no good. You, are, you say you are the righteousness of God. I mean, you did that last week and you did that last week. It is, you are no good to tell. Do not buy his life. God is the judge. He has declared you righteous. You say to the devil, it is written, I believe the righteousness of God belongs to me. So that is how to wear that armor of righteousness. I know the question that will be coming to your mind. What if I've really missed it? If I've really sinned, you know, I've done something really bad. God didn't leave us helpless. And so in 1 John 1, 19, says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful to just and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There are two points there. God will forgive us but we cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many of them? All. So that's why I wanted this verse. So I know you're all very good people, but let's just write some lies, so just some sins, you know. So maybe I've told a lie. I've stolen, right? I have, I have gossiped, right? Um, uh, maybe I'm immoral in some aspects, right? And so let's assume I've done so many bad things, I've committed many sins. And, and I now say, oh, Lord, I'm really sorry. And I repent before God. God says, I forgive you. And he says, he cleanses me from all unrighteousness. So God takes his, the dust and he blots them out. Now, how many of my writings are on that board? God says, I cleanse you from all all unrighteous, even the ones you have not confessed, even the ones you are not even aware of, the one you are not, he cleanses you from, if you are, if you are cleansed, it means you are righteous. There's no unrighteousness left in you any longer. I know it sounds too good to be true, but that is the good news of the gospel. That is the good news of the gospel. The next thing I would like us to look at is boldness in prayer. So that is Romans 14, 13. Say, for the promise, that's to Abraham, that he will be heir of the world, was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. What this tries to tell us that God's promises to Abraham to multiply him, 
were not because Abraham was so good, he did everything right, but because of the righteousness he accounted to Abraham. It is the same thing. All the promises of God for us, we do not receive them because we are now very good by our own effort. It is because we are the righteousness of God in Christ. We have access to the promises of God because of the righteousness he has credited unto us. A very good uh, illustration of this is, uh, I did put it on the slide, it's Isaiah 54, 17. It says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me. God is saying, this promise I'm making is yours, is, is yours as, his, as his child, and it's all based on my, God says, my righteousness, not because of your righteousness. And that is all that God uh, conferred to us in terms of the promises of God. We have access because of we are righteous in Christ. Then James 15, 16, the, the second uh, uh, scripture on that, on that uh, slide, it says, The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So God has opened the door for our prayers to avail much by making us righteous. So this verse has two parts to it. God makes us righteous so that our prayers can avail much, but we are the people to collaborate, cooperate with him to pray a fervent and, and uh, Effective prayers. And that passage in James gives us an example of Elijah, how he prayed and rain came. And I know many, not many people can actually relate to Elijah. I mean, he, he stays there, he prays several times before the rain comes. That's a very tough order. But I want to give you an example of a prayer that was very effective. So in the book of Acts chapter 12, James was, was murdered by Herod and Peter was arrested and put in prison. And the Bible said that the church were praying for him day and night. And so at midnight, Peter was released. And he went to the house of one of the disciples. And he knocked. And who opened the door? A servant girl. That servant girl was part of the process. An effective prayer that led to the release of Peter. So you can pray effective prayer. Come to the church prayer meetings. Come and join with us when we pray. Maybe in your small group of in our only partners, pray. Our prayers are very much, but God wants us to collaborate with Him that we should pray. So the last point that we're going to look at is victory over sin. As I said before, the God didn't just give us righteousness. He said, our new man is created after God in righteousness. And this uh, scripture in Colossians actually goes a little bit further to explain what happens. It says, in him, in Christ, you were circumcised with the circumcision made with our hands by the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. It means somehow by God's miraculous working, we are circumcised. That stone, stone, stony heart is removed from us. It's a heart of flesh. It's, it's, that's why we are new creatures. The reason of this is that we can live lives that actually reflect the righteousness of God. Actually, Romans 6, 6, actually uh, uh, put in a different way, but also very clear. It says that we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. 
so that, we might, so that it might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. That is where God wants us to be because of the seed of righteousness he has planted in our hearts. As a young Christian, I really struggle with this. I tell God, if, we, if I don't have any sinful nature, how come that I still struggle with sin? So as I was met, then God showed me two things. He said, first of all, you don't need the sinful nature to sin. Adam and Eve didn't have any before they sinned. Jesus Christ didn't have any, but he was tempted. That means he could have sinned, but he did not sin. So first of all, our being tempted does not imply we have, we have a sinful. It's not an excuse for us to sin. We, do, we, we are made the righteousness of God. We have the very nature of God in us. But the problem is that this new righteous nature is contained in earthen vessels, in bodies and minds that we have been used to sinning. Even when we come Christian, our bodies and minds, they want to go the same way. So we must feed our inner nature. We must renew this new man. We must feed it with the word of God to grow in righteousness so that our bodies and minds will actually align with the word of God. And so, slide 14, Colossians 1.10 says, And we have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. That is God's desire for us, that we feed our new man. Renew it after righteousness. Renew it after the, the, the ways of God. Slide 15. It shows the trace here. So I, it's just, I wanted to illustrate by this example, those trees, um, they are very young trees, but they needed to be protected. I can, maybe a guy can tell us maybe at what age they are because he's a forester. And I can, I can tell you maybe in 10 years' time, those trees will become, those become very big trees. But at that stage, they needed to be protected. They needed to be fed. It is the same way. We have a new nation. If we feed that new nature, it, it will transform our life to become righteous people. But it needs to be fed. It needs to be protected. And so, Proverbs uh, slash 16, Proverbs 2, 1, and 9 says, My son, if you receive my word and treasure my commands within you, then you will understand righteousness, justice, equity, and every good part. The more of God's word we feed ourselves with, it transforms from the inside. We will know what is righteous. We know what is equitable. We know justice. So we need to feed that new man so that righteousness will flow out of us. So renewing this new man enables us to do two things. We're coming to the end now. To say no to sin and to say yes to righteousness. So this is the last slide, 17. Romans 6, 12 to 13 says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies, that you should obey it in its lust. Do not present your members as instruments of righteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So there are two parts to that passage. Do not let sin. Do not let. Put up some barricade. Uh, put up some barriers. Be wise. I still remember the slide that uh, Dan showed when he was preaching of that 
sheep fall into the pit twice. Don't be like that sheep that falls to the same pit over and over again. Do not let. Do not let. Be wise. He says, do not yield your members as instrument of righteousness. So God what you see where you go. God, you have the ability to do that. God is putting a new nature. Guard that. Put that guard just like that strip was protected. Put some boundaries. You know where you are vulnerable. Do not make yourself vulnerable. But then the positive side. He said, present your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Look for opportunities to do good. Let your hands feed the poor. Knees pray for yourself. Let your eyes become instruments of compassion. Let your mouth become instrument to bless, to encourage, and to preach the gospel. So what is the purpose of God? God made us righteously freely in Christ so that we can be accepted before him, fellowship with him, and carry down fragrance from his presence and yield our members, our instruments, to become instruments of righteousness, to show his compassion, his love to a world that is so much need. So before we pray, maybe I just want us now to reflect on what we have read. And I was just, while they are coming about looking at two responses, the gift of righteousness by faith in Christ. What a gift. If you have not have that, received that gift, today is that day. What a gift. You can be made righteous, not because of your performance, so if you have not taken that step or you want to explore more about the gospel of Christ, uh, you can shout to me or shout to Luke and, and Janet uh, who are leading the meeting or any of the elders. And then the second piece is that as believers, we want, God wants us to know he is the judge he had declared that Russia. Don't allow the enemy to rub your nose and make you despair because of one mistake you made. There is forgiveness for you. But at the same time, God wants us to grow up in righteousness. Put some boundaries in your life. Where you are vulnerable, you know, draw some, put some, that thing that will help you protect that righteous nature and positively yield your members. What has God given you in your hands, in your eyes, that you can use as instrument of righteousness to bless his word? So we just pray, then we sing that song. Father, we do want to thank you. Indeed, what a gift. What a gift to be made righteous by you, not because of our effort, because of your goodness. Lord, we just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.